Hey guys, it's Jerry, and I've got a special bonus for you guys today. This is a story that you're probably going to see on TV at some point. There's a lot of stuff in the works, but it's a story of a friend of mine and Tracy's, Mandy Lemon. And if this story does not have you crying and laughing and at some point in time just thinking good for her, I don't know what story will. We're very lucky to be able to have Mandy on, and uh, I'm excited for you guys to be able to hear this because I think it's very motivational to a lot of people who have ever struggled, and when you hear her story, uh, you'll know why. But I will say uh, this is probably not one for the children to hear because there, there are some um, very tough subjects that are discussed, including uh, murder and uh, sexual assault. And uh, I just think it's use your own discretion, but it's probably not one for the for the young children uh, to hear. And there is a little bit of paranormal towards the end of this, but I'm mainly doing this because sometimes I like to bring on people that can motivate you. And I think her story is very inspiring. So with that being said, here is Mandy Lemon. Hey guys, I have a really good friend of Tracy's and mine on the show today, and she has a story that if you're not completely moved and possibly crying by the end of this, it's going to be hard for me to believe that you have a heartbeat because I know the story and it's going to be hard for me to keep it together listening to this again. And trust me, I haven't heard every detail like I know it's going to get told today, but it's an amazing story. I've got Mandy Lemon on. Mandy's an author. She's an Emmy award-winning producer. She's a motivational speaker, and I couldn't be more proud to call and to call her a friend. Mandy, thanks for coming on today. Well, now you're going to make me cry. That introduction is absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a huge fan of you guys. I literally am. You've known that, though. So I feel honored to be on your show. You guys are doing really well yourselves right now. Over a million? Is that what I saw the other day? A million dollars? Well, we're, we're getting ready to hit 20 million. So oh, we 20 get, million. We... I thought, honey, I knew it was over 20. How embarrassing <laughs> is that? 20 million. I'm humbled, to be honest with you. Now I'm nervous. 20 million. My goodness. I, oh, my goodness. <laughs> But thank you for having me. We, we go back a long, long way. We go back um, probably 15, 20 years. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say, I want to say this, you know, we have some things in common. Obviously mm -hmm. uh, we, we both have taken some, some things in our life that wasn't positive and we've turned them into positive and we, and we try to use our platforms that we have today to try to help others in that situation. Obviously I wrote my book, try to help people. We talk to people every show uh, and try to, to help them do that. And I came from a very stressful job that I absolutely hated for years and years and years, working my tail off, working all hours of the week, not having much time for family life. You were in a similar business that, uh, uh, just demands you to to be available all the time, pretty much seven mm -hmm. days a week, because you're working with customers and clients, and they want what they want. And uh, you know, you now get to uh, you get to make a living helping people, and that's gotta for for me that was life changing, and I'm sure yeah. the same for you. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. So my backstory. Um, We'll get to the craziness of my childhood, but I have a degree in broadcast communication, speech communication, to be honest with you. I was going to law school at one point and still may have I got in, but um, but 
my career that I really, really loved, I loved journalism, but it was super, super stressful. I was coming home and the, my kids were asking me who died today. So we said we were sitting at the kitchen table and my spouse at the time, we just looked at each other and we're like, OK, this is not the kind of environment we want our kids to see that death, you know, someone being murdered is such so easily for our six and seven year olds to just be comfortable talking about. And fast forward, I ended up going into the mortgage business lending. Thank God I'm not in it now. Interest rates are over seven percent. But I did one hundred and twenty five units mortgages in one year in one year. And so I didn't, I didn't have a break. So I, um, I was, would go on vacation with my family. We went to, um, Destin, Florida and we're sitting there and uh, my spouse at the time rolls over and it's four o'clock in the morning and I'm working on a loan because I, I, I hate disappointing people. Maybe that's my, maybe that's why I was good and I'm super organized. So, but, um, I, I agree sometimes that rat race, um, if the Benjamins were fun, were fun, I'm not going to deny that it was so much fun having the money, but it led to a complete and utter, uh, when I look back on the things that led to what we'll get into uh, as our story is, what my, my working 24-7 and leaving the house at 7 o'clock in the morning and then bringing home. So listen, moms, dads, to this. If you're working from 7 o'clock in the morning, 8 o'clock at night, and you're just doing it to buy your kid those tennis shoes, you need to stop because those kids, those kids are going to wear those shoes once or twice a week. And the time that you could spend with them, whether it's watching stranger things or something of that nature is more important than what is on their feet. I know that's hard to hear. I know that little Johnny needs this because trust me, I've got some divas at home, but one of the things that came down to it um, out with, after the incarceration of my son, Michael, he said that, you know, he's incarcerated, he's behind bars. And I asked him, it's like, Betty, what do you miss? You miss your clothes. And he said, no, because in my mind, that's what, that's what I was doing for them. I was providing this amazing, amazing life, you know, giving them, I mean, they're going to, they're going to Austria and they're going to, we went to Jamaica twice in three months at an all-inclusive resort, five people do the Benjamins on that. But you know what he said, this kid's incarcerated. And of course you think things differently when you hear that clink at night, but he said, I just miss spending time with you. I just miss spending time with you. And that broke my heart because, you know, now, I mean, we talk daily, um, but it, there's a difference in me being able to say, hey, bud, you know, take out the trash because instead of the way I was saying it at the time, because I was in the rat race and I was like rushing through dinner, everybody hurry up, we got to eat, or I would be sitting at dinner taking calls. It's not worth it. It's not. Sorry, that was a long rant. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's it's okay. So, yeah. you know, and, and I'll attest without getting into too much detail, you and you and your husband at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, you guys had a, you, you did very well for yourselves. We'll just say that. Yeah. You had to... I mean, I'll be honest with you. Um, I grew up in an orphanage, so I like to tell this part of the story. I grew up in an orphanage. My father brutally murdered my mother when I was seven years old. Um, and there's, I, um, a, a back trailer that's getting ready to come out about how I tell that story. Um, wink, wink, there's more on that. But, um, that, that when I was, doing the documentary with my uh, my agent my agent's melissa moore whose father was the happy face killer and we had to stop editing stop the documentary recording it because she was crying because she's like okay I've, i she covers she worked for dr phil she's been a part of so many like hardcore murders and she literally had to stop the photographer stop the whole production stop because everyone was you know i tell this story and yes it tears me up but it was so dramatic and so painful for them to hear that someone that they loved. I mean, my mother um, was stabbed 40 times by my father with me laying right beside her. And here's the thing that I like to tell about that is she, I, I remember hearing him that night saying, if you scream, I'll kill her too. 
Can you, and you, we said, when I stubbed my toe, I screamed. This woman is taking a, having a butcher knife ripped through her and she laid there and winced one time. One time. That's the love of a mother. And that's why I do what I do. But we had an amazing life. I had, at one point, we owned five homes, um, part of a restaurant. And um, I had a G Wagon Mercedes. And uh, my kids are going to the best schools. We're vacationing. Um, but it, it didn't start that way. You know, I, I, I went to college with five dang dollars. Um, so you can build an empire should you choose to. Sometimes, you know, everybody says not all people are created equal. Yeah, you are. You just have a choice. So let's talk a little bit about, um, man, I don't even know where to start. I, I want to start <laughs> with. Go anywhere. Let's do this. Let's let's go back to let's go back to you guys had foster children. Yes. Because you grew up in an orphanage. So that was that was a situation that was near and dear to to, to you guys. Uh let's go back to let's go back to your days in an orphanage. So let's let's take let's let's go back to Let's go back to how you got to the orphanage. Obviously, you just told us the main factor. Your your yeah. your your father brutally killed your mother. How did you end up in an orphanage as opposed to say a grandparent or something like that? Well, the blatant aspect of it is no one wanted the little mixed girl whose black father had killed their white mother in the 80s and in, in the mountains of eastern Kentucky. Um, I recall a very poignant conversation with my aunt years later where she said, I just couldn't look at you. You were a constant reminder of the man who took my sister. Sorry, the man who took my sister. So I've carried that weight. When I look in the mirror, I, I see both my, because my, I see, I've, I have pictures of my dad. I see my dad. I, I really have his facial features. I don't really, I have my mom's body, but I look like my, my dad. And I remember her telling me that I'm sitting there at the children's home and um, asking her as we come up on Thanksgiving, some, some kids would get to go with families for Thanksgiving and I was the only one no one was taking. So um, I don't want my kids seem like I was mistreated, but um, so no one would come get me for Thanksgiving. So I'm 14 in high school and I just wanted to just have a regular Thanksgiving. So I called her and she remarried and she said, I can't, I can't see you. I don't want to see you. So there was a span from the time I was about seven years old until I was 13, 14 years old that um, none of my family was in contact with me because of what happened with my mother. Um, so how, I, uh, I deal with that. I'm sorry. How old were you when, when the, the murder took place? I, it was June 21st, 1986. I was seven years old. Okay. So okay. for my, you know, as you deal with trauma and if you've read the body keeps the score, I highly recommend that book. As I deal with my trauma and continue to work through PTSD, one of the things that I really, that, that continues to rear its head. And I hope this resonates with folks is the things that you, that are said to you sometimes as a child, um, have stuck with me. So I would, I would pray at night. I, I, I hate, I was, somebody's going to, I'm going to get bashed for this, but I hated being mixed when I was little. I hated because my dad and people were always telling me, oh, you look like your dad. You're a reminder of what happened. Well, my dad's a murderer and a rapist. He raped me that night. So my, and I kept hearing that. So that damaged my self-esteem tremendously. So when I was little, I would lay in bed and pray, God, please let me just wake up blonde headed and blue eyed. Please just let me wake up blonde headed and blue eyed. Well, fast forward, and my kids now really look like me, and their cues can be. And I've been able to embrace my um, my skin, embrace being biracial. But the mountains of Eastern Kentucky were not kind to me. Um, there are beautiful people now, I but um, 
we had a lot there. I mean, we were all growing in 1986 to, but to be, to blame a child for the brutal murder. When I was stabbed myself too, I was stabbed 13 times. I spent two weeks in ICU. Um, but to blame me, um, for my mother's death, I still carry that weight. I mean, those words don't come back. You know, you can't erase that. So I spent, um, I, I lived in the orphanage from the time I was seven until I aged out of foster care at 18. Um, ended up going to uh, Eastern Kentucky University, got a degree in broadcasting, met my now ex-husband, who's a great friend of mine still. Uh, we ended up adopting two kids from state foster care, um, one when he was three and the other when he was three about four years later um, and had a great life. And then one night, um, we started noticing that my son, so please take note of this too. We started noticing that my son who had a lot of cash on him, you know, and I was thinking, okay, my husband's giving it to him. I'm giving it to him. And then I found baggies in his, um, in his dresser. I've never told this to anybody. So this is new. And I, we found baggies in his dresser and I asked, I spoke to my ex-husband about it and, and we, we kind of just, I guess, being naive, both of us ignored it. And then later found out that my son was like running major drugs. And in my house, like I had, I mean, I, I, you can say, okay, you should have noticed that, but this kid was still coming home for dinner. He was still, he was driving his car. He his grades were horrible. I'll be honest, but he never was a good student. That's him. But, um, there were things that I, so you're finding baggies and then I, like he was bringing home clothes and, and saying friends were giving them to him. So, and I, I'm a trusting, honest person. So I believe that. But then if you're listening in Lexington, um, you know, that little Malachi, my son was implicated in the shooting um, involving little Malachi that blinded him. The problem is Michael wasn't aiming for that house. And uh, he was, and there's, there's stories to that, um, um, that are, that he was, he was defending another foster child at the time when he went to the wrong house. Um, another foster child that we were in, involved in um, had been shot and killed earlier, um, a year and a half earlier before Michael's, involvement in this and um the wars the gang wars yes there are gangs in lexington and michael was a part of one and the gang wars just escalated that night and um a, a child their life is not the same their family's not the same and and um it really led down a bad path for me as well yeah I, I know i know that after the arrest happened um yeah. i know that really affected you and your and your husband at the time it oh you was... can say his name ryan we're, we're, we're good friends I'm, he's texting me <laughs> okay well i mean i you know no, i, no, I hadn't, we're really good I hadn't no, spoken I'm, to ryan I mean, about I'm, this so yeah no he's fine um so uh i think the the thing the hardest thing that was happening with my family at the time, we are very, we were very visible in the foster care. We we're very visible in the community and had this um, behind, you know, this alleged picture perfect life. And there were things going on that were not picture perfect. Um, you know, and, and kids are not easy to raise. And then children from um, uh, from foster care often have a lot of trauma associated with them. And Michael was dealing with some PTSD that we were not aware of, um, not an excuse whatsoever. I have very adamantly um, made very clear that I'm super, super upset, super angry for his behavior, apologetic to the family, because as I said, um, I love kids because I know what it's like as a little kid to just want somebody to love you. And I feel like that's what little kids do. They just want you to love them. That's why they're trying to be perfect and great. Daddy, daddy, you know, they're sponges. And to think that my kid hurt another child no matter what was going on, literally led to me having a, a nervous breakdown. 
a literal clinical nervous breakdown. Um, yeah. Well, obviously, like I said, I know, I know it was tough on, on, on the, on you and Ryan. Um, he physically went on the radio and broke down talking about it. And then of course you've got all the stories and the news. I mean, you couldn't get away from the story. So that that's gotta be even tougher because now you're dealing with, a child that that's arrested uh, that you're, you're dealing with that side of it, but then you're also dealing with, do you understand how the parents of the of little Malachi um, was dealing with? And, you know, it's, I, I, I'm, I can't imagine being in that situation and, and I'm glad that I haven't had to be, and I'm sorry, you guys had to go through that. And but, as I'm know, sorry I, for Malachi's parents as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, one of the things that I believe as we, transition to the good stuff. Um, I believe that nothing you go through is wasted. Everything, when I look at where I am today and my social media aspect, the podcasting that I do, the TV show that I, I do, I think about all, nothing you go through is wasted. It may feel like hell at that moment. And trust me, I, I mean, there was a point I stood on, I live here in Tampa and outside of Tampa now, I came to Tampa. I was so out of my mind. This is in my book, The Fostered One. I was so out of my mind. I arrived in Tampa. I knew to fly first class. Let me tell you, let me, I, I like to point that out. I did fly first class, <laughs> but I landed in Tampa and um, came here with, nothing. I had my purse, I had my ID and I came, I was so out of my mind. And if you, if you can compare that transition for someone who's lost their mind, for someone who was doing, I mean, over a hundred loans a year, mortgage loans, closing mortgage loans to the fact that I flew here, that's how devastating and how out of my mind that I was because of, I mean, I, I literally had a clinical nervous breakdown. I was hospitalized, got on some great medication, um, started doing the things that um, I used to do. I started taking care of myself um, and recognizing that a lot of things that had happened in my life were not my fault. Now, I take blame for several things. I, 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 I used alcohol as a coping mechanism um, in, our, in my relationship, um, and I was not always the perfect wife. I was not um, a good person person to deal with, dealing with the, the trauma from the past and my coping mechanisms and being, you know, a, a full-time mom and trying to, I mean, there's no excuses when you look at it, but there are reasons for behavior. I, I like to say that there are no excuses, but there are reasons for behavior. Um, so I, but, but what ended up happening is um, I got on the right medication, found that um, I loved it here in Florida. That's where I, I moved here. I still have a son in Kentucky, but um it, the overall theme that was in my life and I kept seeing is that I had a story to tell. So when I would tell someone my story, it would resonate with them, whether it was the um, infertility, you know, and, and you know, it, I make sure I'm saying that infertility, 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 I'm sorry, infertility that we went through not having children. Women don't like to talk about that and neither do men. I mean, there's, there was that. And then there was just the, you know, the, 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 the amount of people who are raped that don't tell that that problem that dealing with that and then just being in the public eye everybody's in the public eye these days everything that you post on social media someone is ripping you apart and i was constantly being ripped apart getting dms why do you say anything you're just you're a joke you're a gold digger and i wanted to remind them that my ex my ex-spouse and i he he was driving a corolla when we met and i was working full-time so we built that little empire together 
Um, but people, and I still, I still get really horrible, horrible messages. And my ex-spouse, I send them to him and I'm like, look, this is crazy. And he always has my back and, and messages and like, don't talk to her like that. So, um, but I, I, I just found myself literally exhausted mentally and physically, mentally and physically exhausted, not only from the trauma that had happened, but just my whole life finally caught up to me. You know, your body does keep a score and my whole life caught up to me last year at this time. Yeah. So let's backtrack a little bit. Like you said, people, people felt like, because both of you were kind of in the public eye, obviously Ryan was on a very, uh, one of the biggest radio shows on the country. He's well loved by everybody um, in, in the, in the state. And then you guys decide through all this that's going on in the background how did how did the divorce decide to happen? Was that a your decision? Was that a mutual decision? No, actually, if you if you look at the, if you look at the divorce filings, Ryan filed for divorce. I've never said that to even Ryan filed. He just I think we got to a point where we both we started dating when I was twenty two. I'm forty three, and you can't outgrow each other. And sometimes, um, no, my, my demons were too much at that moment for us to be able to provide the proper life we saw a son at home the proper life for our son at home so we decided ryan filed I, I wouldn't do it so ryan ended up filing for divorce and to be honest with you um it was i, I i'm in a book that's coming out and sorry a book that's coming out in um december it's an anthology of a group of women who are sharing their stories but i wrote about the day that we signed our divorce papers we almost didn't sign them we literally sat there. The lawyer was sitting there with us and um, she'll attest to this. I'm not going to say your name, but we asked her to leave the room and we sat there and talked for a few minutes and decided that, you know, we were already this far into it and we can remain friends and be a good um, best friends with each other and co-parent a different way. And that's why where my book comes a perfect divorce when your ex drives you crazy. Um, and I'm, I'm the ex that was driving them crazy. Crazy. It's it's an it's an alliteration. It wasn't him. It was me. Um, Taylor was wrong. <laughs> it was me. So I take full responsibility for that. But the divorce, um, I ended. He helped me move to Florida. Uh, his mother, um, my my mother is an amazing person. Love her dearly. Love her family. Um, she set up my kitchen as she has throughout my whole life. Um, we have dinner. So divorce doesn't have to end the relationship. Sometimes it just is a matter of. Um, you don't need that piece of paper anymore. Some, that piece of paper is buying. I mean, that piece of paper is a heavy weight on your back sometimes. But having the freedom to be able to say, guess what? I'm hanging up with you and I'm not going to have to sleep with you tonight is, is, is sometimes what is so beneficial for us. And um, we've remained friends. I think people we're huge friends with um, some, some people in Lexington who have a kid that play football and we go to games and are planning a big Thanksgiving dinner together. So I'm going to go up and, um, uh, hang out. But um, I honestly, this, this is not, not a recommendation to get a divorce, but it led and opened so many doors for me um, because I was, how can I put this? I was so comfortable playing the role of the wife behind the scenes, but God was preparing me the whole time I was behind the scenes for moments like this. I would go to those events and shake hands, kiss babies. And then women would come up to me and say, you're an inspiration. I love what you do. I love that you say what you're thinking. I mean, you are who you say you are. And I love that. You know, there's a quiet, I have 250,000 followers on Instagram. And those are my 
people. You know, and I, 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 I'm running right now. So if the, well, I don't know when this is going to air, but I'm, I got nominated to run for top 40 women over 40 in the United States of America. And I, I've, I've asked my ex-spouse, I'm like, are, are these your people that are doing this? And he's like, no, this is your, these are your, I, I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe that I had enough by myself, but God was preparing me the whole time behind the scenes for me to have this little world that I have now, whether I'm podcasting or public speaking. Um, I was spent um, a, a week ago, I was um, a speaker in Boston. So I'm, I don't know if you, I, you guys, I, I travel travel a lot. I've got so many speaking engagements coming up. I went to California and was on Access Hollywood. Um, so that's um, super, super cool. Um, but uh, nothing you go through is wasted. It's, there's a reason for it. You know, and I say this a lot, but, you know, we have a lot in common. And, yeah. you know, I I was that spouse in the relationship that was driving my ex crazy and forced her to have mm -hmm. to do what she what felt was best for the family. And, mm -hmm. you know, now we're fantastic friends. We do stuff all together, you know, I, and we go to football games together and we, right. we, you know, go to cookouts together. We just got back from a huge birthday party together for my grandson this past weekend. And, you know, so yeah, it can, it can work out through divorce. Yes. And, you know, it's, uh, it's funny, you know, I was, uh, she, she remarried shortly after we split up. So they've been married for dag 25 years or so. Wow. And I've been, I've been married to Tracy for a little over 15 years. And, you know, Tracy talks to her all the time. And I mean, she said something the other day, she told her she loved her. And she said, do you think it's weird that I told her that, that I love her? And I said, no. Then she yeah. said, do you think, do you think she thinks it's weird? I'm like, no, because we've all known each other so long that we've just got that, you know, we're like, yeah. you wouldn't know that we were ever married. It's just like two great sets of friends that hang out together. Yeah. I mean, I love her husband. Like, you yeah. know, he's, he's a great, he's a great guy. And I mean, I, you know, I think the world that he stepped in and became a, 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 a good father to my kids when I wasn't there. So, yeah. I appreciate you saying that because I think one of the things that we miss sometimes in, in divorce and, and just even if you're having a major breakup, you decided just like I did. I mean, we had children. I'm not throwing away a person who knows all my secrets and um, my friendships that are involved in that and linked all in that because of, of, of a piece of paper when it comes right down to it. I mean, we would still be I mean, if we would still be friends if I didn't have, we didn't have it. I mean, they, it's, it just worked out better this way for us. And like I said, it opened so many doors and, um, I know that it's, it's there. I'll be honest with you. There are days it is really hard because we had a, when things were, I, I, Ryan used to say it all the time, when we're good, there's nothing better. And we were like, we had an, it, a very public relationship and we were always doing uh, podcasting together and whatnot. But to be honest with you, like I said, it prepared me for being comfortable in the role that I play now. Um, and I will forever be grateful for um, the almost 20 years that we were together and for the continued friendship that we um, allow and hopefully show people um, that you don't have to be someone's enemy. I mean, why, why do that? I mean, we've got enough enemies in the world. Why not, why not continue to foster that relationship and treat them the way that you wish you had or as the greatest friend that you can have? And I think that's, that's super, super paramount. And there's a major, there's a statistic that came out the other day as I was writing this book, um, A Perfect Divorce. One in two relationships these days are ending in divorce, almost 50%. And yeah. then there's another aspect of it where your second marriage is 75% more likely 
to end in divorce. So you're so we're just going to have a group of people who are not speaking to each other in the U.S. because because everybody I believe everybody's separated by one person in the world anyway. But I, I don't like the idea of throwing away relationships, friendships, and and um, just I, I guess yeah, that comes from being a foster child as well. We very much appreciate and we try to strengthen because. We, I mean, we, I, I truly am an orphan. I have no family, excuse me. I have no family besides my, my, my Lexington family there. Um, and um, I'm thankful that they kept me despite all my faults. Well, I want to talk about why I brought you on the show. Okay. I, I sure. think you're the, you're the epitome of the American dream. Uh, I, I, I'm I a big, you to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I'm a big believer in the American dream. Now, whether that be an immigrant coming over and starting from nothing and building stuff up or, you know, let's take your story just, yeah. and, and I'm going to really put it in a nutshell because, but you've got a biracial child in the 1980s. And, you know, I thought about this when I was in high school, I graduated in 1986. Okay. Uh-huh. And there were some stuff that went on at my high school that were racially motivated. And it didn't really dawn on me till years later that during my time of high school, we're literally at, we're 20 years from when segregation really hit, which really isn't that long of a period of time. So when you look back, it's really not as surprising being just 20 years that there was, there was still a bunch of stuff going on, you know, yeah. and this is during the same time that you had your situation. You know, interracial couples weren't as as predominantly seen as they are today and uh, or as accepted is is the main reason that it's more seen. It's just it's just more widely accepted. So so you've got this child of, of an interracial relationship and then you've got the the all the additional stuff of the murder that took place. You go after rejection from your family, you go to uh, the system where you stayed as far as the adoption system and the, and the, and the homes and you stayed till you're an adult, you managed to make it through college, have a great career. Not once you, <laughs> you, you went, you, you got married, but you went through your media career. Then you, you completely changed after being a successor, you completely changed and and got into uh the mortgage business you were a huge successor i've seen all your awards yeah thank you and and now you've reinvented yourself again and you're on you decide hey i want to use this as a positive message Mm -hmm. even though you completely split apart from what your home life was you moved to a completely different state all by yourself and within a year, you became a success on a different level in a total different area. That is the American dream. You have had so many obstacles thrown your way, whether it be racial, whether it be trauma, and 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 you've just found a way to be a success because you are a determined individual. And that is what has always impressed me about you. And it's just amazing to see what you've been able to accomplish, no matter how much shit's been thrown your way. And I wanted people to hear that. (laughs) I wanted, I wanted people to hear you speak 
because I knew once people heard your story and heard what you've been able to overcome and still overcoming. Yes. That healing not healed. <laughs> right. That they could they could do this. I know a lot of people going through stuff in their life. And I think this is going to be so beneficial for them to hear what you've overcome and what you're still overcoming. Thank you so very much for saying that, because there are days where I feel like a failure. There are. And you got me crying again. So there are days I feel like a failure, but I am um, humbled by what you just said, completely humbled. And I just truly want to be able to help people. That has always been my mission. Even when I was a journalist, my, I loved telling stories because we were telling someone's story and usually it would help someone else. And then as a loan officer, I dealt primarily with low to moderate income people. So anybody who made like LMI, just first time home buyers and you know how stressful that is. And I loved it. And that was my forte and I loved helping people. And now as I am transitioning and continue to work in this arena as a motivational speaker, as an author, um, and as a, a social media influencer, my job is continually to help people. I truly, truly wake up and I, before I get out of bed every day, I ask God, my higher power, the source, and I say, God, please let me make a difference in someone's life today. Whether it is simply, you don't know that's the smile that you are giving someone. You know, we're all in, as we head into the holiday season and the hustle and the bustle, just a simple smile or just saying, hey, you know, after COVID, everyone was so afraid to speak to anyone. But I, I, I make it a point every day to try to, whether I am, you know, I, and I, I had a friend tell me that I didn't need to air all my dirty laundry on social media the other day. Like as somebody like in a group, we in a chat, we were talking about that. And I quickly, you know, I gathered myself and I thought about it because I didn't want to sound, say it offensively. But I quickly said, if, if we don't share our stories and we don't share our dirty laundry, someone, someone may not be here to talk about or talk to because this, this, Per, this perfect life, you know, I, I, I lived for years trying to, I wouldn't let my kids go. We had a saying in our house, you don't go to the house unless you look like you've been out of a magazine, because I had that image in my head, like we all do, because it's on social media, and we, we pretend like everything is okay, and it's perfect. When I was standing on that bridge in Tampa, getting ready to jump, I was, I, part of the reason why I was getting ready to jump is because I wasn't perfect anymore. I wasn't, I didn't have that, you know, I didn't have that, what I thought was, needed to be the perfect life. But I challenge you as and everyone listening, as you go through the holiday season, and as you go through 2023, right now is when you need to be setting your goals. Like I said, as a motivational speaker, and I also work as a coach, when you're setting your goals, don't make them just monetarily, make them spiritual, make them something healthy. I've lost 100. I was featured in a magazine, Black Women Losing Weight. I've lost 130 pounds. And no, it wasn't a divorce diet. It was something I started years ago. But then when I honed in and realized what would be healthy for me, I mean, it's you don't have to, your mess is your message. Share your troubles. And I'm not, I mean, don't bash people. I've seen some chats and stuff, man, people bashing spouses and whatnot, but, but not that. But you know, it's okay to say, guess what? I'm not having a good day. I could use a prayer or it's okay to say, guess what? I'm having a great day. And here's what I overcame. We celebrate each other. If you can celebrate someone else, trust me, it increases your endorphins and it will make you feel better and look better. <laughs> trust me. It's scientifically proven. I want to talk about a couple of things, but I want to go back to something you said, because 
We didn't talk about this discussion, any of this discussion about the time on the bridge until you just casually brought it up. So without having to go into all the details, obviously you're standing on a bridge taking about thinking about taking a plunge. Yeah. What what happened to make you change your mind when you run that bridge? This is going to be all blubbery because you're making me cry again. So I'm standing there on this bridge. In my mind, I have nothing. In my mind, I have nothing, will have nothing, and my life is over. And um, standing there and traffic, I was honestly waiting for traffic to clear so I could jump because I didn't want anybody to see and have that. I didn't want to traumatize anybody with my death. That's so me. Um, so that's <laughs> typical of me. Don't hurt anybody. Hurt yourself. So I was, I was standing there and out of nowhere, this man, I don't know if he was God, Jesus or an angel, but I, I was just looking at the water. I mean, that was my intent was to jump, but he said, don't you do that. Looked me dead in the eye, sorry, I'm getting chills and said, don't you do that. God has a purpose for you. And he said, the thing that my mom said to me, the night she was murdered, the last, one of the last things she said to me was, you're going to be okay. And he looked me dead in the eye and said, you are going to be okay. This is on, on my mother's grave, on God, everything I will leave in my kids. And he said, go on, you're fine. And I don't know how, because I didn't make these reservations, but I wandered into the Hilton downtown there in Tampa and walked in and just something said, say you're, you have a reservation. I had a reservation and I don't know how, but I went in and I slept and my friends, my phone, I'd left my phone in a car. I couldn't remember anybody's number. I was so whacked out of my mind. I couldn't remember anybody's number. And finally my, they ended up somehow tracking me down and got me a plane ticket home um, where I got some care. Um, but I really believe an angel or whoever, um, God or my mom in that form, stopped me from ending my life because um, I did have a purpose. And here we sit today being able to share that. So, I mean, I was literally, I, I, I thought I had nothing, but you do, you have something, you have something inside you, whether it's a book, whether it is, you know, a lot of times we're afraid to use our gifts. My gift is writing. I'm, I literally love to write. I've been writing since I was a little girl and my gift is writing. And when I went back to who I really, really was in, internally, you know, that gift that you have that when you're a little, your dad's like, okay, you need to bat left-handed. And you're like, no, I bat right better. Well, let the kid bat right-handed. You're probably going to hit a home run. He feels more comfortable doing that. We force people into careers. We force people into roles that they don't want to be a part of. And literally my book, the foster one, um, some people in California got wind of it. I've been very blessed with my connections and it's tapped as a New York times bestseller. Um, I have, and so I, but that was, what's natural to me. Those are things that are natural to me. That's what speaking is natural to me and, and, and talking and encouraging people and motivating people is natural to me. I fought my nature for so many years and I was miserable. There's a picture that comes up on my Facebook occasionally and I am 275 pounds. I have been so upset and drinking for weeks on end. My face is so puffy and so like it literally is, it's so, it's such a telling moment. And my, I'd been crying so much at night, my eyes had split underneath and I literally, I look pitiful. I look, if someone, 
did not know me and had walked up to me then. I should have been hospitalized then. That, that was back in July um, a year ago. But I just kept plugging along because, but once I finally did, I ate the foods that felt natural to me. You know, sometimes a cheeseburger feels good, but what really, what really tastes good to you? It changed my body. I lost weight easier. I still lose weight now easier and I'll eat whatever I want sometimes. But I, I, I eat intuitively and I listen to my intuition, that still small voice or that man on the bridge who is in all of us. You know, maybe that was my outer, I believe in manifestation and I trust vibrations and spirit worlds, but maybe that was me standing there. But it, he literally said what my mom said, you're going to be okay. And, and how would he know? How would he have known that? So. Before we get off of here, since you, you kind of brought up your mother, can we talk a little paranormal? Because I know you've got some uh, sure. some lighter side stuff that you can share with us. So we'll end on a good positive note. Yes, my mother, like I said, was murdered when I was when I was seven. But and I wrote a blog about this a long time ago, back when WordPress was um, was was a big thing. Uh, my we built a fire. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a couple stories. I'll make them quick. So we built a fire in our house one time, and it had been it it had gone out. You know, obviously it's gone out days days gone. I got in an argument with my spouse and I was like super, super angry and the kids were being traumatized by that moment. And the next thing I know, I go upstairs, my uh, oldest son comes down and is like, there's a fire in the fireplace. What? I'm like, did you build a fire? Who built a fire? No, this thing just rebuilt out of no nowhere, just out of nowhere. But the cool thing about that is that child was like the one that was super, super upset. And when he was little, I swear, and he'll tell you this, my mother I believe it was her, would come play with him in, in our old house, play toys. And he would be up there having co full on conversations. And I'm sure you've seen kids having full on conversations. And I thought we finally asked him, who are you talking to? And he described my mom, blonde headed, blue eyed, tall, really, really nice. Just a super, and she, he said, and he kept talking because my mom had really long legs. He said, she's got really, really long legs. And that's kind of what people knew about my mom. But the most recent thing is I live here in Tampa. I'm literally in a brand new apartment complex, like brand new. I'm the first person to live here. But I've been I've been a little stressed the last month, completely, completely stressed. And I've just asked for the spirit world to send me signs that things are okay. Well, I didn't mean this. <laughs> Let's get this. Y'all, if y'all are listening, please change your, your appearance. But so recently, my smoke detector, random times, will just go off. And the most poignant of, of that is we had just had Hurricane Ian come through here. Well, the night I flew home from Kentucky, flew here and was going to fly back, but go, going to drive back. Well, I'm laying here. My smoke detector starts going off and it's like two o'clock in the morning. So I went ahead and got up. Now, if I hadn't gotten up at that time, there would not have been any in the area that I, there would not have. I went to four different hotels. There was one hotel room left. So timing was everything. But most recently, this dang thing is going off again. And then today I just sort of decided to start talking to my mom and I was like mom I need some direction or whoever you are and probably shouldn't say this but about 20 minutes ago I got a significant brand deal a significant that is going to not only change my life but the lives of the people that I love but had I not been up the other night with that dang smoke detector going off and sent one email and after I sent the email it stopped I swear this is on my mother on God but I truly believe 
you that your you can ask your guides your spirit guides to be there with you um i hope that she's done with the smoke detector because i that really annoys my dogs they're going crazy i hate that so um but um they're there the spirit world is i mean there's so many stories i could tell you like that my ex-spouse she would hide his keys if he'd get mad at me or something like that hide his keys and literally he would go back and look and they're like okay, i didn't touch them i don't you know and i'd leave okay they're there now so i mean there's there's so many numerous things like that or just um our other son michael that was incarcerated had the same experience i mean he's three years old and playing with my mom and so has i mean they've all been able to have some sort of encounter with her um whether it is just through her playing with them or um they, the one of the fun things that they would say is, is that she would like you know turn their lights on and off and they would think it was the other person doing it and i'm like no so she conducts through electricity but i'm very thankful to have those experiences for people it freaks out it doesn't freak me out um i am very spiritual i believe in vibrations manifestation um and my even my dog that i have is a manifestation i've been begging for that damn dog for years and years and years and a lady out of winchester god bless her she's amazing I uh, found out I lost my other dog and um, I was, I, I did a, I did a little uh, snippet of it. I took a picture of the dog that I had been asking for manifesting and it's him, my dog that I have now. So manifestation is real. I believe in that. Neville Goddard's my hero. Um, so um, I, I trust and believe I have a list of 10 things that I wanted to do and um, I'm checking some of them off. So I believe in that too. Yeah. So just to clarify the, the, deal that you had presented to you today was a direct result of the one email that you sent the other the night. one email if i if and if that and in the deadline and i didn't even know about the deadline but if i had not submitted it because of the try you know i couldn't go to sleep it's chirping so I, I got up got my laptop did a little work sent one email that i'm so humbled by this that is going to literally yeah you talk about generations it's going to change generations and I can't really go into it because I just, I'm, That's fine. I'm, I'm super, super excited to be able to, sh it, it'll be, it'll be on my Instagram. It'll be on my Facebook, it'll be on my TikTok, but I'm super, super excited to be able. But if I had not gotten to, if the spirits hadn't connected with me and I'd sent that one email and I promise you, after I sent that email, I'm looking at it right after I, I, I sent that one email, it stopped and I went to sleep. And then here we are about to make some major differences in, in a lot of people's lives. We're talking to Mandy Lemon. Uh, she is an amazing individual that I'm proud to call a friend. Mandy, how can everybody keep track of what you've got going on, which is numerous things right now? I know I'm I'm everywhere. The best way is to follow me on Twitter or Instagram. My Instagram is Mandy A as an apple lemon, and there's a D on the end of it. Or uh, my Twitter uh, is Mandy Lemon, TikTok Mandy Lemon. Just honestly, just Google me, follow me. My phone number is also readily available if anyone is ever in a position. And I'm sincere about this. I've had people call me this. I've said I've said this before. If you are ever in a position where you feel like ending your life and you feel like you have no one to talk to or you just literally need advice, I've been shit show. I have, and I, I and believe it or not, I'm 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 pretty good at giving advice. I don't take my own sometimes, but my phone number is Googleable. Give me a shout, a text, TikTok, whatever. Um, I I know that there's something in you. You got this. And that's Mandy M A N D Y Lemon L E M O N D Lemon with a D on the end. Mandy, thank you so much for coming on. I we've been talking about possibly doing this for a while, but I thought the timing was right. And here's why. Because uh, even though we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, you you posted a video the other night uh, out at a park. 
and with with a van. Can you rehash that real quick about what that was all about and what your message was for that? And then we'll end on that. Yeah, so I walk in the park. There's a park about half a mile here from my house and my dogs are wild as can be. So I uh, walk them in the park and I started noticing, I've been walking here for like three months. I, I kind of picked back up my exercise about clearly about, and so I'm noticing this van, this van is there, just there, there, there. And um, I realized this person lives in the park, like lives there, the van is there and they live there. So something I didn't say in that is I started like leaving food on the car, which is dangerous for squirrels, but I would make sure by the time I'd walk back around, they'd gotten the food. Um, so there was someone living homeless in the, in the park and I just, I was homeless as a child. And it, I'm so, we're so quick to judge the homeless. And I thought to myself that very well could have been me just months ago. So I'm asking you to extend grace to people who you may not know their situation. Um, just follow through and allow, show grace. I mean, I truly, truly believe that's that's one of the best qualities that I have is I, I'm very graceful for other people and don't judge immediately. So and I'm asking you to do that. You got your listeners, just show grace as we go into this holiday season and throughout the year into 2023. Um, let's make that our mantra is that we're showing grace not only to others, but to ourselves. You also gave out a little, um, uh, we'll say kind of an enticement to, uh, yes. for take for taking your kids shopping. So yes. tell me about that. So guys, what, what I'm doing with my kids this year is I, I usually, I mean, Christmas is a pretty big holiday for us. I mean, I, I love it, but what I'm doing is instead of me buying my kids, their list or things that they don't need. Do they really need that extra? I, I use this analogy. We don't need the extra pair of Nikes or Yeezys or Jordans or whatever we're getting. They're fine. You can wait till after the holidays, but someone may not be able to do that them, do that for their family for the holidays. So I'm asking you to pay it forward, whether you buy somebody's groceries, buy somebody's coffee, but I'm challenging parents and particular parents of kids, boys who play basketball to buy another kid a pair of tennis shoes. That's my, my challenge. Nice. And uh, that sums up who you are in a nutshell, right at the very end of this. Mandy, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. I know it's not easy. As, as much as you do it, you can still hear the pain and, and anguish in your voice. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I wish you guys a great season. And I look forward to being back on um, anytime you need me. All right, babe. Thank you so much. We love you. Bye. Love you too.